Hello, loves. Just a quick heads up, the Tarot for the Wild Soul course is back and opening for enrollment very soon for a very limited amount of time. If you don't know this course, Tarot for the Wild Soul is one of my signature soul tarot courses. It totally transformed in 2001 and is currently an extraordinarily unique and beautifully crafted soul tarot offering, perfect for anyone who wants to take their practice out of the conceptual, away from other people's interpretations, and truly live their tarot practice and come home to their own knowing. It's for folks who are both at a beginner level and very, very seasoned readers. Um, It contains in-depth audio and video lessons um, and teaches folks how to read the tarot in a really non-linear way. So not going from the fool to the magician to the high priestess, but um, instead framing the cards up around life experiences. So again, we take it out of the conceptual and move it into the practical, into the useful, into the deeply felt. So there are audio and video lessons. There are beautiful workbooks. There's a very robust Q&A database with all my answers to folks' frequently asked questions. Uh, As of this year, there are now bonus workshops, which are wonderful. And we will have eight Q&A roundups for participants sprinkled throughout the year. So you can ask me your questions about your practice, your deck, where you might be getting stuck, anything that might be coming up and receive my support in real time. So here are the important dates to mark on your calendar so you can join us for this course if it calls to you. From February 28th to March 3rd, we will be having an early bird sale for newsletter subscribers only that is incredible, Uh, like close to 50% off tuition. We have sliding scale. So if you're part of the newsletter, if you really want to join this course, if you really need the early bird to be able to do it, February 28th to March 3rd is your time. And you will receive that email if you're already signed up for the newsletter. If you're not sure of what your notification preferences are, just email us at info at tarotforthewildsoul.com. If you're not signed up and you'd like to be, you can sign up at the link in the show notes. From March 6th to March 20th, Tarot for the Wild Soul enrollment and a bundle sale will be running at the same time. You can opt to purchase the course on its own, or you can purchase it as a bundle with one or more of our excellent Soltero courses for a very lovely discount. Enrollment for the course will close at the 20th of March at midnight Eastern Standard Time, and it will not open again until 2024. So to learn all about the course, learn all about our bundles, pricing for all of the above, answers to any of your frequently asked questions about the course, just head to the direct link in the show notes to find out all of the goodness. And again, if you have any questions about any of this that you can't find on the website or through this very, very long (laughs) top of a show ad uh, for my own work, uh, you can email us again at info at tarotforthewildsoul.com. Thank you. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a podcast that explores the tarot through an inclusive, soul-centered, trauma-informed perspective for growth, healing, and evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Hello, loves, and welcome back to Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast. What a joy it is to be gathered with all of you. Thank you so much for being here, for your presence. Um, We have so much to dig into today. Um, It's our March monthly medicine episode. I literally cannot believe, I know I say this, but that we're talking about March. (laughs) I feel like we've been in 2023 for two seconds. Um, and I'm so pumped to dive into this, to talk about some of the upcoming, uh, we have two really, really significant astrological transits happening in March of this year. Um, yeah, so, so much to dig into. We have our listener question. Um, and I'm just gonna just gonna get right to it. <laughs> so the theme for the month of March 2023 is cultivating awareness. And it essentially is a very large supportive invitation 
inviting us to really witness what's here. We're cultivating and building the ability to have greater awareness, have more compassionate objectivity about what's going on, to really, really see what's going on around us, what's working, what isn't, where we need some support, where we don't, where things are maybe going slower or quicker than we might prefer, but it's like, it's all right. And then there are times when it doesn't feel like it's all right to really move into a space of uh, calm, rooted, truthful, empowered response and reaction and the ability to sort of turn the wheel in a different direction than what might be popular, what might be even easy. We need to be able to first cultivate that awareness. Again, in a, it takes courage to do that. It takes a lot of courage to acknowledge like, this hurt my feelings. This isn't working. Uh, I think we need something more here, right? It's an active state of reflection. And that's what March is all about. It's really seeing very plainly what needs to be seen and opening up to something different. We might not totally know what we're opening like to. We just might know like this isn't it um, and we need to try something different. Or what's here is working and like, whoa, can we be with that? Can we really allow ourselves to kind of soften into that a little bit? A couple things I want to speak to. Again, we, we just, we're, we're both moving out of and kind of still, we've both transited and traveled out of a time and are both also currently transiting out of a time, um, many spirals and layers to this letting go process, um, of this kind of work of really realizing maybe even in ways that we're not totally sure of, like maybe something's going on, something's happening. We, we can't quite get to the heart of what it is or what the issue is or what's going on. Last month, we spent a lot of time in Saturn work and world work. Um, Saturn enters Pisces on March 7th, coming up right around the bend. This is a massive shift. And we're still, even though we've cleared you know, we were working with the world card in February, just a month ago. It's, we're still in that bit of Saturn work. And yet there's a little bit more of a shift, a little bit more of a transition. There's more movement and there's more awareness in general. We're, we're kind of clearing out, um, of the Aquarian work we've done in Saturn. And now we're moving into again, Saturn and Pisces in just a couple of days. Um, so there's been a lot of, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but like, there's been a lot of like important acknowledgement, like acknowledgements and a lot of the questions that many of us have had have really been wrapped up in a sense of not quite knowing all the information, but knowing that certain things might not be working, certain things might be working. And sort of where do we find ourselves in the middle of that? How can we hold and root in the middle of something that we know isn't quite it, but we don't quite have the answer. We don't quite know where we're going next. All of this is chariot work. Every single bit of this is chariot work. We are in a chariot year this year. Two plus zero plus two plus three, the year we're in, equals seven. And the chariot is number seven in the tarot. So we look to that as a kind of an anchor to help us to understand a bit more about what this year is bringing. The chariot is ruled by cancer. It's very soft. It's really subtle. It might be a little fuzzy. It's still cardinal water. So there's some real um, directness that can come from cancer energy, and yet it's always changing. <laughs> so the chariot card, more than we might think, gets shit done. The chariot, when it comes in, is like, okay, we're done with this. 
this is complete. This is at where we're all finished with that. And I don't think it's an accident that Saturn, which is, I think, completely different from the chariot, but there's a complementary nature to the work of the world and the work of the chariot, where we know we're complete with something. Both of them are the um, last cards, um, along with temperance, of the three lines of the major arcana, honoring Rachel Pollock for that, um, for that beautiful teaching there that she created. But the, the idea of this time that we're in is really just the full hearted acknowledgement of what we've outgrown. This is the theme right now, what we've outgrown, what we're complete with. This is probably a time where we'll be kind of like revisiting some stuff that we've done before and we might be pulled back into some old stuff for the sake of contrast for the sake of being like whoa if there was even a slight part of me that felt like maybe this endeavor or relationship is like okay like you know or, or maybe I did want it I wasn't sure if I didn't like now I really know <laughs> like whoa like absolutely not or we might embark on something that we've done before and approach it differently. We might opt to proceed with more softness or more boundaries or a little bit less, um, like a little bit more of a measured take. So this, this time that we're in from the very, very largest sort of concentric circle holding it all, which I think is chariot, which is the energetic anchor of the year to sort of the month, to the week, you know, this is all work. All that we're doing is becoming more and more aware of what's not serving so that we can free ourselves of stuff that is keeping us locked in cycles that are not in alignment for us, right? And we don't necessarily have to be so active about this. It's just showing up. We, all that we're being asked to do is see it and acknowledge it and trust that if we're not 100% sure, the more we can bring about a gentle gaze, some curiosity, the more it, again, will start to become more clear. So if it's not, if things aren't super clear right now, that'll change and that's okay. This is still like we're in Pisces season. This is a very Piscean time. It's mutable water. Like it's, it's all over the place. So, um, not to say that Pisceans are all over the place, but that's part of the superpower is that the water can go in a million different directions, you know, can travel out so far. And that's what we get to play with right now. Um, but to root into what this month is bringing us, the, the strongest, deepest invitation for our continued growth and evolution is just gently placing our attention on awareness, on opening our eyes to things, on reflecting on things that we maybe tried to do. Like, There's a very big part of this month that has to do with dipping back into old stuff. Uh, like I mentioned, contrast. Um, that's the, that's the Pisces of this time is echoes of the past, things that might feel like we're back in something that we're really not. It's just sort of a new, um, layer on the spiral that might feel very similar to maybe what we've been through before, but we, we get to kind of dip our toes back into familiar waters so we can officially say, oh, this really doesn't work for me. I'm out of here. Or this works for me, but when I engage with the water in a different way, when I choose when I go in or I want warmer water or colder water, you know, whatever, we, we really get to choose here. And we can't do that without cultivating awareness. And again, it takes courage. We have to be able to look. There's something very important, this word compassion. We're asked to be so compassionate with ourselves. It can be really hard in this life, 
I won't even say these current times because I feel like this is kind of since capitalism has been a, a part of things in a larger way. This is, you know, I think it's been ever present, but it's very hard to feel like if we are, if our pace is a little slower compared to others, or if we can't seem to get it together in the way that other people do, we can take that in and internalize it and really take it super personally. And I understand that and that's valid and I'm not asking you not to do it, but this month is about shifting some of that and remembering that there is enormous power in softness. There is enormous power in opting into our organic pace, that we can trust that, that it's okay. It's okay. It's okay for our thing to not look like someone else's thing. It's okay for our thing to be um, more rock than mineral. Rocks are beautiful. <laughs> like it's okay. It's okay for things to be more mineral than rock. Minerals are beautiful too. Like it's okay. So I have always found March to be an extraordinarily powerful time because we're moving from Pisces to Aries in March. We're moving closer and closer toward a new astrological year. We're moving really completely out of where we were last year. And the fact that Saturn is shifting, that Pluto is shifting. Pluto won't be in Aquarius for, for uh, a super long time. It'll just be three months and then it's going to go back to um, Capricorn for a little bit. But the, it's a, again, like a, it's a huge time. It's a huge, huge time. And we, we want to be open to that. We want to be in the awareness that we are personally going through the same kind of seismic changes that everything else is around us and that it's it's okay to drop the things that can't carry us forward it's okay if we are absolutely exhausted by things that we used to be able to do and now just simply can't stomach or can't hold any longer that is the nature of a chariot not everything is forever it's okay for it not to be forever it's okay to change. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be over something. It's okay to have outgrown it. It's okay. And that's what this time is all about, allowing that to be okay and allowing maybe to not feel okay about it for a little bit. So our anchor cards for March, um, the main one, the big one is the lover's card. So we know that when we work with a major arcana, this is about surrendering, and that's a very important thing to keep in mind with the particular energies of March. This is really about kind of letting yourself be guided by the invitations at hand and surrendering to what shows up. So it's not about um, you kind of embarking, it's it's about us sort of waiting to, to notice what's calling out for our attention. The lovers always has to do, always has to do with some reconfiguring of the ways in which we are showing up interpersonally, how we take up space, how we are engaging in relationships of all kind, how we present, how we allow ourselves to be seen, and our relationship with the world outside of us. Do we show up in the spirit of collaboration or do we show up because we want something or do we only show up when it works for us or does collaboration com and community feel kind of uncomfortable? Do we, do we wrestle with those things? The lovers is also totally about, I think the lovers is enormously important preparation for chariot work. It comes right before it in the golden dawn ordering of the tarot. Um, and I think there's some some medicine to that because 
The Lovers is a, is a really soft but kind of intense invitation because it, it really builds over time. Um, where it calls upon us to look at the ways in which we consistently deny ourselves the kind of love and regard and attention and celebration that is much easier to bestow on other people. So looking at the ways in which we compare ourselves, looking at the ways in which we might be comparing our children to other kids or our, our partners or our friends, you know, being like, well, they do that. Why can't you do that? You know, and I know some people really get stuck in that. And ideally, we notice those invitations rather than actually project them onto our partners or our children. Um, but just noticing how do we hold ourselves to different standards than we hold other people? Are there people in our lives that we are putting up on pedestals for whatever the reason? Or taking down off of pedestals for whatever the reason? Are there people for whom we just can't seem to stop comparing ourselves to? Are there certain titles or um, areas of attainment or certain things that we, we, we keep, again, pedestalizing, for lack of a better word, because we think that once we have them, then we will be there, chosen, lovable, ready, um, finally deserving. The lovers has a tendency to take like all of those things that we pedestalize and really crumble them. So let's say that you've really put some person up on a pedestal. Um, that's the problem with how we create these parasocial relationships, right? With people or with mentors or whatever, that we want to be really clear that if that person is not causing harm, then us putting them up on a pedestal, they don't have to become bad for us to take them down off of a pedestal. <laughs> they can just become a human like us, prone to mistakes and difficult times. And like, especially I think in spirituality, we have just this terrible tendency and all, you know, that we, we don't want our teachers to be human. A lot of us, we don't want that, you know? Um, I've had so many conversations with my own teacher and, and folks I know who also hold space that like, it's sometimes like some of us don't feel comfortable, like saying like, we're having a hard time financially. We're having a difficult time with our bodies because of the projection sometimes with folks to say like, well, you're so powerful. Why don't you just clear it up when it's like, we're human beings, <laughs> like we're humans like you, like we get sick we have financial hard times, like what, whatever it might be. Right. Um, and I know that my little, my, my core group of, of friends and mentors and folks that I respect, we're not alone in that. I know that. So I've both been on that side and I've been on the other side where I've had to, to clear up for myself, like this person's allowed to be human. That's okay. Like, that's great. In fact, how could they help me if they're not going through shit? you know, like ultimately, really. So uh, that's a tiny example, but we do that kind of thing all the time. And the lover's card is our anchor for this month because it is helping to dismantle and rebuild some of that so we can love ourselves, so we can be way more unconditional in our relationships, so that we can honor ourselves as we are. And what that might look like, like, like I, I don't know whether or not, like, I'm deep in launch mode for Tarot for the Wild Soul. And, you know, it's been a minute since I've done a launch. Like, it, it has. Like, I've done launches, but not one this big. And there's just, there's a lot to it, you know? And since my last big launch, I have had a baby I'm postpartum. My brain is a little different. I'm not quite as like sharp in being able to hold all the different things. I'm also completely unavailable to burnout. 
or to do hard selling or to like give myself away to uh, like, I'd rather have a little bit of a smaller launch than do that. And, and that's just where I am right now. And I might be more available for um, a slightly edgier sell or a slightly edgier launch at some point. Um, and I really feel that the lovers for me is about being in full, soft adoration of like, yes, the capacities and the limitations of this body, of this brain are different. And that is a-okay. And sometimes it won't be a-okay. And I can hold that too. So it might be that we're unwilling to be in like a certain kind of sacrifice with a family member. It might be that we're um, unwilling to apologize for our, our bodies, and nor should we ever feel that we have to apologize for our bodies. So this is all of that very deep work that we can do and we're called to do in lovers. And we don't have to find it. It will show us. And from there, we're called to really open our eyes, see what we see, and channel that awareness into taking different action. So what we're being invited to pay attention to this month is three of wands. This means that we are on the way to something new. Three of wands is that just perfect encapsulation of being inside of a transitional time. What's been, we can't really go back to, can't even bear it. It's just like, so we could try, but it'll just feel so impossible. We might have to travel back to it a little bit to really get that understanding in that sense. But even outside of that, we're just on our way to something different. Three of Wands perfectly holds the idea, the, the reality of being finished with something, but not quite in what we're ready to, what we're preparing for. So we're right in the middle. And we want to really offer and devote our attention to that. And, and being like, that's great. Like what kind of unique medicine and awareness can we call in and cultivate when we're in the middle of something? And, and, how can we practice being willing to be absolutely cool and okay with being in the middle of something? Because three of wands can bring up a sense of like, I want to be further. I want to be beyond the transitional stage. I want to get where I'm going because that's human nature. It's normal. It's a, like, it's absolutely appropriate to feel that way when working with this card and, and even beyond that. So what we really want to do is give ourselves the gift of being able to say, okay, I can hold even that I can hold. I can hold the discomfort with being inside of this transitional time. Like I can, I can really open my arms to whatever shows up. The most crucial thing that we really want to bear in mind as this is a card that, that is calling for our attention is around those themes. What feels complete? What feels finished? What feels like it's something we're building toward? How can we really fully root down in the transition? Like in the messy middle, that's that's so much this time. That's so chariot is being like, whoa, I'm out of this old space, old container, this particular chariot that's held me. But like, where I go next, I don't know. Like being really comfortable with that. March is just a really strong apex point of that, but that's something that's going to carry over with us, I think, for the next several years, because we're in such a transitional time collectively and planetarily, but certainly this year, to be sure. This is a very big part of this year. So what, what helps us to anchor in the midst of transitional times and unknowns, right? Those are big questions that we want to ask. What we're learning about this month is the devil. So Anytime we're on the verge of something new, something different, when we're in the midst of transition, it's pretty vulnerable and tender because the mind can start worrying and clicking and often does and start saying essentially, 
well, this could happen. What if we don't get to where we want to go? What if we backslide? What if this? What if that? And all of that is devil. So devil card is about working through the invitations from the mind, from inherited patterns, whatever it might be, that invite us essentially into doubt that freezes us from spreading our wings and flying. The devil is about freedom. Ultimately, the devil is about liberation. The devil is about being able to say, this is who I am, perfectly imperfect. I radically accept myself. And about being in full awareness of the fact that all of us have brain and mind invitations or invitations around us from people in our community or around whatever that call us into something different that makes us shrink. And ideally, we can get to the point where there's nobody in our life that calls us into a kind of a shrinking place. Um, that those calls might start coming or might always have come from inside the house. Why does the mind do that? Why does the mind sometimes, like when we're feeling so good, we're so expansive, we're trusting, then all of a sudden, bam, we get pulled into something. We feel totally like there's just been like this big, um, you know, pile up inside of us. Like all of a sudden there's doubt, all of a sudden there's shame, all of a sudden there are shoulds. Why? The mind in general is really, really wary of expansion. And that's not an airy fairy thing. That's there's nothing wrong with airy fairy either. <laughs> I love air and I love fairies. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's this is a this is a truth. Like we're we're not it, the, the mind wants stable, familiar, known. It doesn't want all this evolution shit, like evolution through challenging circumstances. It doesn't want soul growth. So the invitation here is out is taking us out of that sense of trust in expansion and our and that like very quiet but very powerful soul growth that tends to happen very internally before there's external change. So what we're being invited to learn this month is a little bit more about where we tend to get caught and snagged in that process of expansion. This is a very, very expansive month. There's a lot of realizations that are going to be going on. As we cultivate awareness, sometimes those awarenesses can be like huge, life-changing, glorious, freeing. And that is, might sound odd to say, very scary. It can feel very scary. It doesn't mean it's actually scary in truth. Um, but the feelings are so valid. It's so important to acknowledge all that. So that's part of the dance we do in the devil card. We're just working with like, oh, <laughs> like, okay. Like that's a really strong, really challenging invitation. And for me, the balm, the soul tarot kind of empowered action to take medicine of the devil is that we don't have to take the invitation. If I'm feeling really expansive and my brain drops in like, you can't trust yourself and here are all of the times where you thought you could and you didn't. And I might feel like, whoa, that's true. Like my brain is dropping deep truth on me and I should move into doubt. Notice the should. In those moments, what I tend to do is I bow to it. I'm like, yeah, like every other person on planet earth who has ever existed, I have believed in moments that um, something was a yes and it turned out to be a no. And some of it I regret and some of it is so important and was so important to my learning. It does not define me and I am always empowered to lean into as much trust in myself as I can. So thank you for that invitation. Thank you for trying to protect me from getting my heart broken and from having my confidence shaken because that's really what's going on. And I'm just not available for that. 
that's not like, you know, and so maybe for the rest of the day, because I find when those kinds of contractions come up, like it takes me a little time to just have them cycle out. Um, I might not do like, to, I'm, I, but we don't have to fight it. We don't have to beat it back. We don't have to do anything. We can just say, yeah, I see it. Thanks for the attempted protection. It's not needed, but I trust myself and I'm learning every day what that means for me and how to do that with greater, greater clarity and to absolutely know that I am allowed to engage in a process of, of rupture and repair with myself as well. So that's what we're learning about to engage with those invitations into doubt and shame and worry and, and indecision a little bit more differently by taking an approach from a caretaker position rather than one of like, oh my God, this voice must be true. It must be saying something that's true when that's not necessarily the truth. We are releasing in March the energy of seven of wands and we are opening to two of wands. So there's a lot of wands here in this, in this, um, reading for the, um, kind of collective for the month ahead. And that always lets us know that we're working with some fire. We're working with the body. We're working with capacity and energy and honoring that, trying to be in co-collaboration with that. Also, again, I don't know that there's a more powerful transition than moving from Pisces to Aries season in the entire year. Pisces is all about its mutable water, Aries is cardinal fire. It's a, it's a shift from the end of a zodiacal cycle to a brand new one. And there's a, like a lot in that transition that it's like to move from the moon to the emperor. The moon is Pisces card. The emperor's Aries card is a pretty wild gear shift. So um, it makes sense that we would have our, our eyes sort of trained on the wands of it all, which are, are, again, all about kind of the adrenals, our energetic capacity, honoring that your energetic capacity today or right now might be a candle. Mine might be a bonfire. Mine might be like a teeny little ember. Yours might be, um, you know, something else, <laughs> you know? So I, if we're allowed to be different inside and from one another, that's perfectly okay. But essentially what that means is that we're being invited to let go as we are able to from worry and hypervigilance and what ifs and open to a much more proactive set of options. So both of these cards oddly kind of deal with questions about the next step. Seven of Wands has to do with like, do I trust this thing? Is this a threat? Is this the right decision, the wrong decision? And that can feel very, it can at times feel like it's really freezing us and it can be challenging. And the, the strange and odd thing about Seven of Wands is that it is a seven card, which means that we kind of have to do the internal work on it, even though it seems like an external energy. Um, like why do we tend to get more hypervigilant than maybe not or whatever it might be? Those are the questions there. Now, two of wands has to do with the moment where we kind of take an inventory and we say, what do I have in my, how many spoons do I have? Like, what does my capacity look like? And what would I need to gather and cultivate for the next stage of my life? So while seven of wands gets really tucked away and like the worry and the details and like what could happen, two of wands is really about like, this is the next natural step I'd like to embark on. What would I need to support that? And how could I be really soft and loose and opening to those things? Right? It's, just, it's, it's really quite an interesting shift. Two of Wands is so warm and open, endless possibilities. Um, 
but really about working with our capacity rather than against. So again, we really want to open to, we want to, it's, it's just as simple as like putting our eyes on one thing and then moving them to another. We're just moving them over to two of wands. Seven of wands can be there. Again, we are working with the devil this month. So there's going to be invitations into doubt and worry. Did I do the right thing? Should I do this? Am I okay? Am I acceptable? We have to just prepare for that. We just do. There's going to be kind of swirlies that are going to be going on. And I don't want to say that's okay because it can be miserable and we want to really call in and surround ourselves with as much support as need, as is needed. But two of wands is, is really kind of the place to softly land the gaze. So anytime we find ourselves sort of in the worry about what could be, we want to just move over to two of wands and Two of Wands has a way of saying, this is the wand that's in my hand right now. And that's what we're getting ready to take a walk with or take a movement with or, um, you know, take a journey with, at, like sort of by my side as a support system. So what do I need to do and how can I engage with that in order to be more proactive? Just be like, okay, this is my next natural step. These are the things I need to do to prepare for it. The end, you know, just taking care of. Um, so long story short, instead of getting lost in the mental gymnastics and worry and doubt, just coming back to like, this is on my list of things to do today, or this is all I have the capacity to do today. And just rolling with that. It's easier said than done, but that is what we're being called to kind of center this month. Um, again, I talked about this a little bit, but two huge astrological transits in 2023 are happening this month. The first is Saturn entering Pisces, which happens on March 7th again. Um, Saturn is, as my dear friend Jeff Hinshaw says, like the, the, the person with the checkboard like the energy with the checkboard. And, and it's all about structure and commitment and responsibility and like being devotional to what we promised to do in a soul sense. We can make promises all the time that are not in alignment for us. That's more human worldly. This is more about what we said yes to as a soul. Saturn really keeps us to that and it ticks it off right on the checkboard. Again, like really honoring Jeff for that amazing analogy because I think it works so well. Saturn's been, you know, for the last few years in Capricorn, in Aquarius, and now it's moving into Pisces. That is a really different set of values that Saturn is keeping us to. So Saturn moving into Pisces is more about spaciousness. It's more about softness. It's centering deeper, more unapologetic self-tending, um, dare I say dreaming, like putting our gaze up not so close to um, what we have to do, how we identify, like coming up with the things and rather more of an internal journey. So this is about coming home to our bodies. It's about coming home to what our bodies need in order to thrive. It's coming home to our emotional needs, things that might have needed our attention for a while, our heart, that kind of degree um, of creative expression and of self-tending um, is going to be where we're going to be asked to take a Saturn-like discipline with. So where we might be called to sort of, and by the way, I think identity is so important, but I do think it is interesting that we're moving out of line one of the tarot, which is all about uh, like in our, in um, 2024, we'll be in the line two cards. And it is very interesting to move from line one to line two, because line one is about foundation. It is about like, how do I identify? What, what is my role? What's my, what do I do? Line two is like, yes, those things are crucial and I am beyond that and am 
way more than what can be described or quantified or named or labeled. So we can hold the both of it, right? Like we are, these roles and identities are crucial again for our our lives here on earth. And there's um, a much more spiralic view that we're being called to sort of lean into and sense into, which I think is a big part of Saturn and Pisces. And I think it's a really big part of um, moving into strength card in 2024 and being in uh, the line too. Like there's so much that's pointing our attention toward um, deeper internal tending, like centering that. We're already starting to see that. Like people having an absolute refusal um, to do more than what they're paid to do. Like it's, it's, it, we're, we're, this, it's a different time. Whereas it was like, do work at home, do work in the evenings, do work you're not paid for. And it's not, it's, it's not gonna, it's not flying, you know, it's just not going to fly. On March 23rd, very closely following the shift into Aries season in the spring equinox um, for us here in the Northern Hemisphere and the fall equinox for folks in the Southern Hemisphere on March 20th or 21st, usually the 21st, um, Pluto enters Aquarius on the 23rd. Um, It's for lack of a better word, we're, we're only in Aquarius for three months and then Pluto shifts into another sign and then we'll come back to it for um, very many years, two decades nearly, um, when it re- returns uh, to Aquarius in 2024. Um, in those three months, we're going to get probably a really good taste of what this is going to be. So, I'm not going to go into Pluto and Aquarius because there are other people who will be able to do that way better than me. Um, what I will say is that it, um, is absolutely going to be a time of enormous upheaval of systems of oppression and systems that have not valued the people. It's Pluto in Aquarius is about revolution. And we're certainly preparing for that. It's also about massive, massive changes technologically and digitally. Um, it's also star card. So inside of this experience of kind of revolution and digital change, there's also a huge call placed on collective healing. And where, as the you know, in America, in tur- on Turtle Island, what used to be called Turtle Island is now the United States of America. There is this sense of rugged individualism where it's like every person for themselves, and there's very little emphasis on collective and community care in a very broad way. Pluto and Aquarius is a generational shift toward valuing collective care. It's not what's good for the individual, but good for everyone. So we're going to see some pretty massive shifts because we're pretty much at the opposite end of that in a large way, um, communally. So there's going to be, again, a huge shift over time. And Pluto is all about excavation and underworld. And, um, it's, it's Scorpio's card. Like it reveals, right? reveals it's generational. So there's a lot happening here around this kind of, um, moving from this more individualistic view to, um, way more about, again, our, um, our community, our beloveds, like how, how are they being centered and how can we do our healing work so they can be I think also Pluto and Aquarius is, um, a really good time to get, I've been getting in the threshold and like, and even for me personally, well, my, my, I don't judge what's going on with me personally as a, um, mirror to my collective work, but I have been noticing the two aligning where, um, it's just really time for everyone to sense into like what, 
what really solid boundaries look like as we engage with more and more present digital, um, like with the onset of AI, like what, what does it look like to come back to center and to have these, um, connections with one another that are rooted here? Um, so yeah, just different things to just root in here. But, um, again, we'll only be in it for three months and then we'll bounce into another sign and then Pluto will come back to Aquarius in 2024. But it's a big deal to dip into that for three months and to get a different sense of what that feels like, you know? So big month, a lot going on here. Um, now we're going to move into our listener question. Um, and then I will bid you adieu. <laughs> um, okay. This is from anonymous. Anonymous asks, hi, Lindsay. Over the past six years, I've gone through a great deal of change and transformation. Most of it very positive, but nonetheless hard and scary. I never feared hard work or change, but I do fear asking for help. There have been many times over the past six years that I've thought how good it would feel to have a support or sounding board. And then I must immediately shut that thought down in out of fear that I somehow don't deserve help or it won't work out for me. I think I've held this belief since childhood. Today, as I was listening to your latest episode, you acknowledged your quote team, the people who help you do your work personal and professional. And I think that prompted me to write you and ask how one can find one's team. How do I even begin to call in something that I desperately need, but also terrifies me. This question to you is my brave attempt at a first step. I would be so grateful for any thoughts or insight you may have. Your work has brought me a great deal of comfort and door opening. And for that, I am truly grateful. I just, first of all, want to fucking lift you up and congratulate you. Like what a brave question, what a brave question and what a beautiful, um, gesture of, um, expansion in the face of your totally understandable and valid contraction around this, this, this worry and fear about asking for help and, um, deservability. I know that my words can't change your experience, but I just want to say that you are so deserving of help and support personally and professionally. It's, your birthright. You don't need to be worthy of it. You don't like you are deserving. We are all deserving. Some of us don't have that right now for any number of reasons, but we all deserve help and support. So I just want to say that if you can potentially hold that in your mind as a birthright, um, it could help you open up to trying in, you know, trying, um, different possibilities, you know, Okay. So my team, I, uh, how did I find them? So personally, I would say like my team for personal stuff is Michelle, who I see and work with maybe 10 to 12 times a year now these days, who, um, was my a teacher for so long, um, and is wonderful, not a tarot teacher, but a beautiful helper, um, an intuitive practitioner. And I met Michelle because I was doing coaching work with a woman that I met like a hundred years ago and they knew Michelle and felt that Michelle and I would be a good fit. Um, my, I have a therapist who I adore and I found her on Google and she felt right. And she's without question, like the most I'd be, would not be here without my therapist. Um, and she's amazing. And just Google, like no special thing. Um, and it took a while to build like really strong trust and bonds, but we did it. And, um, I didn't have a therapist for so long and wanted one and was finally in a financial position to get one. And this was in 2019. And I think there's just a lot of really long wait lists for mental health practitioners now. So again, I was lucky to be able to work with my therapist at a time when she had some availability. Um, 
I work with my lovely business coach, Amy, over Voxer. And I met Amy. Amy was um, somebody who participated in my work. And we've always had just a really special relationship where we do one another's offerings and like are really good friends and have benefited from one another professionally and have taught one another. And it's one of the only relationships I have like that. Amy is absolutely incredible. Um, and Cheryl, who is like an intuitive creativity coach, who's just absolutely beautiful and gentle and incredible. And, um, who I go to when I'm blocked, scared, or stuck creatively. Um, and Cheryl, I can't really get into how I found Cheryl. Um, but Cheryl is amazing and actually works with a lot of actors and performers and through kind of a funny life way, um, got a contact, a piece of contact information for them. And, uh, we started working together occasionally and it's been amazing. So I've had folks come and go, you know, but these are, this is the core group that feels really, really supportive right now. Professionally, my team has changed and ebbed and flowed many times. So I, many of you remember Iris, my beloved, um, uh, community coordinator, assistant, really extraordinary. And I met Iris through Amy. (laughs) So that's a beautiful thing. And Iris really was there for the years of my business that were super messy and where I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I reached, I connected with a couple of people I knew and respected and asked if they knew anyone. And the reason that I needed to hire somebody and eventually landed on Iris was because I could not keep up with my work anymore. I was missing, um, like I needed someone in the inbox. Like it was way too much. And I actually could not, um, like even afford to hire someone, um, but opted to do so because it was incredibly, I couldn't hold what I was doing. So, um, I have now learned and when I am at a point where I am holding too much like 10 of wands style, it usually means that I need to ask for help. And by asking for help, it frees me up so I can make more money, which allows me to pay people. You know, and now I have one person on my team full time and a beautiful roster of transcriptionists and Chase, of course. Um, so who works for me, even though we're married. So that's my team. Those are that's that's the that's the skeletal structure of my team. Um, what I can say about it is that. I have found the people I needed when I really needed them. And of course, I've gone through times where I'm like, I desperately need this kind of practitioner and had to really dig and really work. Um, And sometimes I've had to try on different slippers that didn't, I hate describing like another human being as a slipper, but just sometimes I've had to go through different practitioners to find like the right one, the person who was really right for me now, like here. Um, and in terms of a team, I have been so blessed because I have only ever worked with people who are phenomenal and for one, and they work with me for a while. So the bonds are built in a very strong way. And as my business changes, how I, you know, as I change, those things change. Um, Valerie, who now works for me, uh, we found through like a formal process of, of, of announcing that we were hiring some, some more support that we needed more support. So how you find them is by asking people, you know, that you respect, do you have any, uh, good leads on people who are copywriters on people who are administrative assistants on people who 
know how to run podcasts or courses. Um, it's really step one is really about sensing into what you need and then honoring that it might take a little while, honoring that without question, you will have periods where some people come in and then they leave or, um, some people come in, you realize it's not quite the right thing. And so there's a little bit of a shift, um, whatever it is, you don't have money and you have to make, um, adjustments there. Um, I will also say that having a, a larger team in 2021 made me realize that larger teams are not for me. So if you're looking for someone smaller, like just someone to help you instead of being like, they're your employee, um, just starting with what would feel really good, like in a dream scenario and then asking because your dream scenario could be this person's like delight and then feeling into like what kind of, you know, it's, it's a multi-step process you learn as you go. Um, and yeah, I hope my answer was helpful. Sometimes it's really just kind of about leaning in and giving it a shot, even though you feel like you don't deserve it at all. Um, it's one of the best ways to prove to yourself that it's not true, that you do deserve it. So hopefully this is useful. Start small, start with people you know and respect and um, yeah, see what happens. All right, loves, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, it's always a joy to be gathered here with you. Uh, and until we meet again next week, please take exquisite care of yourselves. <laughs>